This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Got a fun show today. Got some fireworks in Chicago. They finally played. Uh, that was cool. Um, Twins, White Sox got a game in uh, despite um, early threats of rain. Thought maybe that would cause another cancellation, but no, they played. Twins lose 7-6. Josh Donaldson has some words for Lucas Giolito as he crosses home plate after a first-inning home run. Lucas Giolito has stronger, much stronger words for Josh Donaldson after the game. We'll get to that in a little bit. Also, a conversation with J.E. Skeets. No Dunks podcast. The starters before that. Longtime um, good guy in this business, blogging, podcasting. I've known him for quite some time. Great conversation with him about the NBA playoffs, about a Ben Simmons Timberwolves trade idea that he thinks is viable that I'm not so sure about, and uh, more with him on uh, just kind of his background and how he got started in this business. But first, what did I miss? Not surprising if you live in Minnesota and watched even a handful of wild games. Maybe it was surprising to people in Dallas. Uh, but Kirill Kaprizov, Calder Trophy winner, 99 out of 100 first place votes. A Gretzky of first place votes. The only other one went to Jason Robertson from the Dallas Stars. If you thought that was a two-way race, it was not. And clearly it wasn't during the year. Every bit deserving of that award. First wild player to win that award in franchise history that goes back more than 20 years. So, you know, a good first step for the Wild with uh, with Kaprizov. Had a you know excellent, great rookie season. Not surprising he wins the Calder. The bigger question now, can they get him signed soon and for what terms? I think it's a kind of a wide-open checkbook when you talk about how instrumental he has been in their success right away how much he changed that team dynamic almost from the minute he stepped on the ice this season but it gets tricky because he he's neither a unrestricted nor restricted free agent he's got no real leverage so it sounds like he's kind of trying to create a little bit of leverage uh by you know there's this vague threat that he might go back to the khl not a chance i don't think that's going to happen but you know he's trying to create whatever leverage he can to get the kind of deal he wants uh, from from the Wild with the terms and the length. I think the Wild would like to sign him to a long-term deal, even if that gets expensive, because that's the kind of player that's worth it. You know, you, he, he's a young player. He's going to be in his prime for quite some time. He, he showed what he can do this season. You know, maybe he's only going to get even a little bit better than that as time goes on. You You back up the truck and you give him as much money as he wants, whatever term he wants, I think Wild fans, their nerves would be calmed a little bit if that uh, that happened relatively quickly as opposed to dragging out further into this offseason. I don't have a doubt that it will get done at some point here. Um, the question is, is it going to be long-term? Is it going to be a little bit of a shorter-term deal where he could then make even more money you know, on a second contract once he's you know, 28, 29, something like that? So we'll see. Can they get him signed for eight years? I don't know. We'll see about that. But I think, like I said, Wild fans would, would do well to have that happen sooner rather than later to get their nerves calmed a little bit. And Kirill Kaprizov would do well to sign on that dotted line and get as much money as he can from the Wild because he has earned it. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to be joined on Daily Delivery today by J.E. Skeets. 
You probably know him from the No Dunks podcast. Maybe you know him from the starters. Before that, he's been on the internet for as long as the internet's been around, pretty much. Um, he's uh, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite guys uh, that, that goes back this far. Jay Eskeets, how you doing, man? What's up, Michael? How's it going, man? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet. Um, it's an exciting time. I want to I want to get to a few different things, but I also want to. Let's let's talk at the beginning here. Uh, let's talk origin stories because just like looking, you know, looking back, you know, the internet, the internet moves in a weird kind of pace. But you've been doing this for a long time. You've been you were blogging in like the mid two thousands. You started podcasting a long time before it became cool to have it before everybody else had a podcast. Like what? Give me kind of your how did you get how did you get this job, Jay Eskeets? How did you get to where you are right now? I'll try and say it as quickly as possible here because we don't want this turning into a no dunks podcast where it goes for uh, 90 <laughs> minutes plus. Um, no. <laughs> I went to I went to school in uh, in Canada. Uh, I took radio and television, and that's where I met Tass, co-host of the show. It's where yep. I met JD, still the producer of the show to this day. Uh, we also met Matty O, who was involved in the show, has moved on. But we all took radio and television, and uh, obviously had a love uh, for the medium. And then when school wrapped up, we we're like, well, what are we going to do now? You know, we had worked on some projects together and this is by uh, 2004, 2005, sort of around then. And JD actually was the first one to say, well, why don't we do something ourselves just to get some reps? Um, let's try a podcast. And even us being in school for radio and television, we're like, what are you talking about? What is that? And, you know, he basically explained it as like, well, it's sort of like radio, but it lives on the internet and people can put it on their devices. I mean, not even phones at this point, you know, like, <laughs> right? uh, like the iPods and stuff. So <laughs> you can like, store four okay. podcasts on one device. Yeah. And uh, we said, okay, well, what are we going to talk about? And it was me and Tass sort of as the host of the show. And JD is like, talk about whatever you're passionate about. And Tass and I are big sports guys. So we were going to do just a general sports podcast. We're like, ah, that seems a little too vague. Uh, let's get a little more niche. All right. I like basketball. Tass, you like basketball. We're Raptors fans. So let's do that. And that was really in 06 is when we started it. And we found a little bit of a an immediate following, very small because no one knew what the heck a podcast was, but there was something there that people attached to. And then we turned it into a daily thing. And, you know, year after year after year, we sort of grew the show and started adding a video element to it. Eventually got hired to, to do it full time up in Canada. And that led us down to uh, NBA TV. And now we're with The Athletic, but that's like 15 plus years ago. We've been doing some variation of the show. We've had different names, both the Basketball Jones and then the starters and now No Dunks. But at its core, it's the same show. It's 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 a couple of buddies now because we've added some. We added an American and an Aussie. Shout out to Trey and Lee, and <laughs> we just talk about hoops like you do with your friends, you know, at, at their place watching the game, at the bar, at the barbershop, wherever. Um, so yeah, that's sort of. Uh, I tried to say that as quickly as possible. Uh, we just started doing it because it was a new thing, and we thought, why not? Let's get some reps in, but had really no idea where it would lead us to. I love that idea about getting reps in because I, I, you know, in addition to working at the Star Tribune where I've been for quite a while, I do teach an adjunct class at the University of Minnesota um, sports media. And that's what I tell students all the time. Like, if you're not exactly sure what you're going to do when you get out of school, or even while you're in school, like just write a lot, do, do whatever is interesting to yep. you because you're going to get a lot of those. I wouldn't even say mistakes, but you're going to kind of figure out your voice. You're going to kind of figure out what you want to talk about, what you want to write about, things like that. And then by the time, you know, maybe you get, maybe you garner a following that way, or maybe it's just, 
you know, you kind of getting, you know, your first 50 or 100 or 200, you know, out of the way so that the next 200 are even better. Uh, I feel like that's just, it's absolutely critical. There's nothing quite like in sports media, the experience of actually doing it. Oh, that's a hundred percent true. We did the show for four years. And again, this turned into a daily show. So throughout the NBA season, that's a lot of shows. We did so many shows where we didn't get paid a penny, but when we finally saw our first paycheck for it, it was like, Oh, we were sort of polished in the sense that we had just done 10,000 reps. Our chemistry was sort of already through the roof. Cause that's the other thing when you're doing a show with other people and your, your own producer or director, like it's a dance, right? Like you trust each other a lot out there when, especially it's live. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, a lot of trust falls happening, guys picking you up, running with what you're talking about and all that. So yeah, to get that, that reps in, that's great advice. Like just do it. I mean, the worst thing that was ever going to happen is we were just going to have fun talking hoops and recording it and throwing it on the internet. It's like, okay, if nothing even came of it, well, at least we had a blast doing it. Um, and you know, fortunately for us, it did turn into a job and that was even better. What, what was it like when you found out that you could do this for a job? Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. So sort of, it went hand in hand where I did start blogging as well. Um, so I did a lot of writing. Now I am like, I'm the worst writer there is. I can barely talk. I don't know how I get paid to do that for a living, but I am just <laughs> a horrible writer. You know, I'm one of those people that I write a sentence and then I delete half of it and try and write the second half again. And like, I just get stuck in this little loop, but I'm bad. Anyway, I somehow got a blogging job way back in the day, because along with the podcast, I was doing my own thing that got a little notice. I started working for Yahoo Sports, uh, the Ball Don't Lie blog right. back in the day, did a little work for Deadspin. So I was like, you know, doing that to sort of pay the bills a little bit. And then on the side, uh, doing the podcast. Now they worked hand in hand because it was both about basketball. So that always worked. And wherever spot I was at too, I was always allowed to like, sort of like, well, here are my 10 NBA blog posts a day. Oh, can I also post that we are the basketball Jones and here's an audio podcast for people. So, you know, our employees were always great with that. Um, yeah, we just, uh, uh, we, we, they just, we just started doing it again, just tried it. And, uh, I, it was awesome when finally someone was like, we want to pay you for your podcast. Like that was something special at the score up in Canada. And then that turned into a television show, which led us on this whole other path. Um, it was amazing. It was an incredible feeling again, to put in four years of work. We always believed what we were doing. There was value in it, that we were getting better at it, that we were a different voice. Um, cause nowadays everybody's has a podcast, but at that time it was like, well, unless you got 10 years experience playing in the NBA or you're a coach, no one cares what you think about the league. Sure. Uh, why would you know anything? You're not an expert. You know, Never played the that, game. Of did you play the, did you even play the game? Yeah, exactly. Do you even know how to dribble? I mean, can you even shoot? And it's like, well, yes, I can not to the level of an uh, NBA player, but, uh, I think people around that time started to figure out like, hold on. Maybe there is a little like lane here for people that didn't play the game or coach the game, but are fans of it and uh, love it, obviously. And the passion comes through on the podcast and can talk about it in an entertaining way and in an informative way and all that. So um, it was cool. And we eventually were like, wow, we can get paid to do this. And then we were off and running. And I'm going to ask you to talk basketball, obviously, which is what you do all day, every day. But I'm, I'm interested in particular in the Western Conference uh, playoffs right now. And that's, you know, every time I watch, I feel like the West is the varsity, the East is the junior varsity. And that is not Raptors slander in any way. Um, it's just the way I've felt about the playoffs so far this year. I just felt like the West has been more interesting and more entertaining basketball. I mean, they both, they've, they've been compelling series across the board. Just, I, I felt like the West, the games have been, the, the quality of play has been better. And the Suns Clippers mm -hmm. 
series. I can't figure it out. It, it, I, I, every, every time I think it's going one way, it goes another way. And that was exemplified again with game five. I thought the Clippers were dead. And then all of a sudden they're, they're very much not dead. What, what have you, let's, let's start from a, a global perspective. What have you liked in these playoffs so far? And what, what, what's kind of the, what are, what are the themes that you think have emerged, you know, big picture so far in the playoffs this year? Well, yeah, there, there's sort of three things that have stuck out with this playoff run for all these teams. Um, one, a lot of the games have been close. It feels like, uh, I don't know why, if that's just selective memory, but it does feel like in postseason pass, there are a lot of blowouts that games that just turn into like 20, 25 point snoozers. And we've had some of those, but it feels like more times than not, we've had some close games. Maybe that's just the, the uh, you know, everybody being able to hit the three ball and you get back in these games quickly. I don't know what it is, but I like that. The other thing is like this sort of coming out party for a lot of these young stars that like, Sickles like us might be watching on League Pass, but the casual <laughs> fan doesn't get to see as often. Like your Trey Youngs and your Devin Bookers and stuff like that. Always love when a player like that, who, again, if you're watching them on a nightly basis or you're tuning into a lot of their games on League Pass, you're like, wow, these guys are really good. And yeah, some of those guys are like all-stars and stuff like that, but like taking their game to the next level and people like appreciating it and going, wow, this is pretty special. So that's cool. And there was a third part. Oh, it's like the, it's like not being able to predict who is going to win it. You said it, yeah. Michael. It's like, I, I, I swear we do this every year, of course, with our show where we make our predictions. Like everybody does, you know, like, oh, sun's in blank many games or hawks in blank many games. Like we make our predictions for every series more times than not. <laughs> I mean, I think we're decent at it. Like we nail a lot of them. And this has been the worst when it comes to predictions not only from a series basis, but from like a game to game basis. Like you said, most people thought the Clippers were dead in the water in game five. You know, it's back in Phoenix. Chris Paul's finally going to get over the hump, go to the finals. And like, yeah, they come out, the Clippers do 20 to five run. Paul George has, I think the best game of his career. Yeah. It's at least on his top three list. And suddenly they're in it. And this is without Kawhi. And it was even without Zubots there, the starting center. They go small. So, I mean, that's made it for an enjoyable playoff watch. I know for me, at least like, trying to make a prediction on our show and then like just having it blow up in your face. It's actually sort of exciting. Neither of my, neither of my finalists even made the conference finals. I had Nets, Utah, <laughs> right. you know, which, which is, you know, which I felt like Utah was even stepping out on the limb and then they, you know, I can't believe they can't close out the Clippers when Kawhi goes down and yet they, they can't. And, you know, here we are with, you know, Suns, Clippers, Hawks, Bucks. And I guess you would, you know, Clippers and Bucks being in the mix isn't, you know, isn't shocking from the start of the playoffs, but even the Suns is mm -hmm. a two seed and the Hawks, like who, who had the Hawks in the conference finals? Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. No, nobody, nobody. And so, I mean, yeah, it's going to be crazy no matter who goes through from either of these finals here, the East and West, like any matchup you want to come up with is just going to look weird and, be a little strange to wrap your head around like oh it's suns versus bucks or it's hawks versus clippers whatever it ends up being it's uh it, it is it's just weird but i like it. it's refreshing and you know it, I, I, like i think there's something to like a dynasty team a warriors team i think that is good for the league i think people then turn on them and they want them to lose and all that but this is also fun um the injuries have sucked that's the one yeah. thing that sucks yeah but in a strange way, it almost feels like every team has been uh, hurt by a somewhat significant injury, like at least a lot of them. And so it's like sort of a level playing field in that weird sense, but I I'm loving the games still. So, Yeah, absolutely. How, you know, before I get to a little bit of Timberwolves stuff for, for you, especially Ben Simmons, 
um, which, you know, ties into your Raptors a little bit if we talk about trade possibilities even. But um, what as, as we think about um, as we think about the Trey Young, Luka Doncic trade from, you know, they're all they're going to be tied together forever. How have mm-hmm. you, it feels like the narrative has to change a little bit from these playoffs that Trey Young, you know, I get that Atlanta probably has a more well-rounded team than, than Dallas does, that they've done a better job of surrounding him with the right kind of guys. But if you, if, you know, if Luca looked like, if, if looked like Dallas was the, the runaway winner, or at least, you know, that both guys were really good, but that Luca had the chance to be this all-time special player. Is that conversation changed? Do you feel like because of what Trey Young has done in the postseason and what, you know, what, what, the, what Atlanta looks like and, you know, getting to the conference finals with him? Yeah, I don't think uh, there's no doubt it has changed because I actually said on the show not too long ago, it's like, I'm done hearing that. Like they're going to be ever forever linked for sure. Yes. That's fine. You know, Magic and Bird are forever linked. That's okay. That happens, you know, with players. But I'm done hearing like who won the trade, all the Mavs, you know, you know, hose them and all that. It's like, no, they didn't. These Both of these organizations, I assume, are pretty happy with their players. They both look like legit superstars in this league. You know, would you still bank on Luca winning an MVP over Trey Young? Yeah, probably. But look at what Trey's doing on the biggest stage, on the road, in some of the most hostile environments, be it New York or Philly, uh, you know, Milwaukee. Not as hostile as those others two, but they seem <laughs> nice people up there. But Midwest it's amazing. environment is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they seem very kind. They seem very Canadian-like, if I'm being honest. Uh, <laughs> so I, I just don't. I almost don't want to hear it anymore. And then there is like, okay, who knows what even Cam Reddish turns into? There was another pick involved there, but it's like they're both happy. Everybody's happy except maybe the Kings because even the Suns with eight in that number one are, uh, are loving it right now if they go to the final. So I, I'm done with it. And then I know we're going to spin to Ben Simmons here because I also said I don't want to see any more footage of Ben Simmons hitting jumpers or three-pointers no. during the summer. No. None. Don't ever show them to me. Don't no. tag me in them. I don't care until we ever see it in an NBA game. I just – I don't care. I don't care if he does it in practice or in the summer. So anytime with that, anytime that gets tweeted out, just reply 24 for 71. That was, that was, that was his free throws in the playoffs. this year. 24 for 71. Are you kidding me? But that said, he's, he's fascinating. He's the most intriguing, you know, trade chip trade possibility because he he does everything else. Well, except for the thing that, you know, you kind of feel like you absolutely have to have in the last six minutes of a game. So what do you do about that? Who wants him? Where does he make sense? I, I, you know, when I, you know, the Timberwolves obviously are are here in Minnesota. That's the team I talk about, you know, far and away the most here. I don't really know if they have even the pieces to try to get a Ben Simmons based on, especially not, you know, not getting that top three pick, but that said, like, do, first of all, do you, if you're another team, what, how much do you want Ben Simmons and where does he make sense? Like what kind of team can he go to where all of a sudden, he he not just gets you to the playoffs but you can you can work with his deficiencies enough that he can be a championship level player cuz it doesn't feel like it's happening with Joel Embiid in in Philadelphia. Yeah, I I mean I'm 100% convinced he is traded cuz I think we've they've tried it enough and the experiment does not work with those two guys as their star players and then Tobias in the mix too. It's a tough qu- uh, question to answer like yeah, who can get can people get more out of Ben Simmons? I mean, it's ultimately going to come down to him. Like what we're talking about is practice, <laughs> like especially with free throws. I mean, of all things uh, that you can work on and he should get better at that. Will he ever add a, a reliable jumper, a three-pointer? It, it's, it feels less and less likely, but that again, like you said, he does all these other things so well at an elite status. 
that so many teams, I think, would talk themselves into wanting to trade for them. I threw out one that I like. I love them on the Wolves, personally. Okay. That seems like a team that Ben Simmons right now was sort of like his psyche a little, little hurting, I'm sure. You know, his ego may be a little bruised. I think going... And I don't, you know, I don't mean this as a knock against the Minnesota Timberwolves, but going to an organization like that right now, that's still pretty low in the pecking order, maybe gets overlooked a little bit by some of the other big markets in the league. That to me seems perfect. And a him with Cat, also I like, you know, one, of course, being a defensive minded guy, the other being super offensively talented in Cat. I think there is a trade there. I've thrown it out on Twitter. If it's Ben Simmons and George Hill, let's say, to make the money work for D'Angelo Russell as the key piece. Yeah. And then I threw Beasley in. Yeah. Now I know a lot of Wolves fans were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's really good. And he is. I mean, this guy was like flirting as a 20 point per game score, but that to me feels like a somewhat realistic trade. That's enough for in you. The I, sense. I, I, I can't, I can't decide if that's enough. If Philadelphia looks at it and says we can do better than that. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, and that's why I'm throwing Beasley in there. Cause I've seen some people saying, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Jake Lehman and a, and a, and a pick and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, I could see the Philadelphia 76ers like more, especially like, okay, we're moving off of Ben Simmons. We want a guard that can score and can hit a three in the final couple of minutes. And, and Russell. Russell's got confidence. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely him. And then, oh yeah, we can add like a, a you know, another sort of like piece. We need another player that can come up and Beasley's good. I, I don't think he's ever going to be an all-star, but I think he's a really good player. That one, you're right. Maybe it's not enough for Philly, but his trade value right now, Ben Simmons is, you know, never been lower. (laughs) Um, If if, if that was a viable option, I would absolutely do that if I was the Timberwolves. And I don't know if I would do that if I'm Philadelphia, because I don't know if you're getting the requisite, if you're getting enough value, if if you think you can get a CJ McCollum, I think that's a better play than, you know, than something the Wolves could offer, especially, like I said, after they didn't get to keep their pick this year, but you know, he, he do, he would make a ton of sense here. They need to fix the defense. They've already got Edwards. They've already got, Carl Anthony Towns to, to score the ball. That, that's not really what they need in the, in the starting five. Yeah. It's not like Ben Simmons can't score either. He can score in transition. He can do all these other things. It's can you hide him enough? And the, the worry I have about him is his numbers from year to year. They haven't really gotten better. The free throws are the same. The shooting is the same. It's, it's kind of like he's almost the same guy that he came into the league as, you know, four or five years ago. And does that, you know, does, does that piece of it, the fact that he hasn't really added to his game, should that be, kind of a red flag for where the next five years of his career will go. Yeah, that's true. And I think when you get to that, it's like, is that him as a person? And that will never change. Cause he was like the number one pick uh, with not, with not having a polished offensive game. Cause he's just, you know, such an athletic freak and get by on that. And, you know, obviously when he was younger and then even in college there at LSU and, and even that didn't impress a lot of people, but he was still rewarded with the number one pick and all that, or him going, can another organization, and the players that he's surrounded with, like new players, get it out of him, bring it out of him, and you know, really get him to uh, to focus on working on his game and getting better at some of the things that are his limitations. That that's fascinating. That's why it's like it can't be Philly. It's not going to be Philly. They know it. He knows it. Um, and you know, hopefully for Philadelphia, they're getting a lot of these teams calling, like Minnesota, like the Blazers with CJ. You know, is there a Bulls one with Zach Levine? I think that's less likely. You know, there's tons. I mean, I threw it on Twitter. I almost got a trade offer, like somewhat realistic. A lot of people are pretty good at this now from like 20 teams, like uh, throwing yeah. at deals for, for a potential Ben Simmons. So I would assume Daryl Morey is getting, you know, maybe, maybe 10 of those teams calling him in real life and saying, Hey, what would it take? So I think he's gone. And, and I like him in Minnesota. I think it is a nice fit. 
And, you know, it's nice to hear that you as an expert of the team think the Wolves would do D'Angelo Russell and Beasley, but maybe Philly wouldn't do that. that that's yeah, fair. I just, I'm, I'm trying, just can't decide if, if not getting that pick was kind of the, the death blow in, in mm. the, the Ben Simmons sweepstakes, or if, you know, those two guys and maybe a future pick, or if it's just those two guys, if that ends up being enough value, if, if you know, whatever Philadelphia thinks of D'Angelo Russell, because I do think he'd be a good fit with Embiid. It's just, do you have enough defense then? Because you're giving up quite a bit on that end if you, if you do make mm-hmm. that uh, you do make that swap. Last thing for you, how, how, how are your Raptors going to do? What's, what's the next step for them? Are you just coasting on fumes for the next five, 10 years off of that championship? Or is there a, is there a, you know, is there a quick resurgence? Cause you just wipe this year away and say weird year you played in Tampa. What, what are you going to do next? Well, that's exactly what I'm doing. And yes, I'm also, you know, riding uh, the high still of the 2019 title. That'll last me for a couple more years. Uh, right now there's a lot of trade talk around Siakam which is a little worrisome to me. I, I don't buy, I don't buy this warriors one, like a Wiseman and a, and a pick um, for him. That does not feel like enough. Like you're taking, you're, Siaka, taking, you're taking Wiggins in that trade too. Cause that's a, that's the salary. Yeah, match. that's right. To make the, to make the money work. Uh, so that, that I do not think is happening. And I think the Raptors as an organization, just like you said, is like, okay, throw that year out the window. Like look where we were. We're not playing in front of, uh, you know, not that everybody was playing in front of fans, but we're not even in our own country and right. have the familiarity of that. Uh, we're in Tampa for crying out loud. So let's let's reset and see what we have. Because they have a good team still in, in Van Vliet and OG and Siakam is there. Now they got the number four pick. I, I did enjoy that, jumping up there yeah. in the uh, draft lottery a little bit. That's nice. Is, do, do we end up with a, one of the Jalens? Does Mobley fall to four? We'll see. Um, you know, it could be worse for sure uh, having that number four pick. Uh, I, I still think they're going to, be a really good team. Actually. I, I think when they're back in Toronto and we are back to normal here, I think they're a playoff team. I don't think they're contending for a title, but he ain't going anywhere. Siakam and you know, I'll be watching and cheering them on. I just hope we keep Masai Ujiri. That's the biggest question mark that for some reason has not being talked about enough. Like, yeah, they have not signed on the dotted line to mm. keep what I think is the best uh, uh, GM in the league uh, there. So hopefully that happens soon. J.E. Skeets, wonderful uh, to catch up with you. Great, uh, great stuff on the Do- No Dunks podcast. When you're not listening to Daily Delivery, you should definitely be listening to that every day. You guys do like over an hour every day. That's like twice as much as I do. I feel like I'm slacking when I, co- when I compare myself <laughs> to you guys. So congrats on everything, and uh, we'll catch up again uh, down the road, all right? Thanks a lot, man. Postscript to that conversation I had with J.E. Skeets. We did that on, uh, on Tuesday afternoon. We talked about how the wild these uh, these playoffs have been. Nothing more surprising, A, than Trey Young being ruled out of Game 4 on Tuesday night for the Hawks. Looked like they were, I thought they were going to be dead in the water when I saw that he was ruled out. Instead, the Hawks blow out the Bucks. So that's you know, another piece of this just so surprising this postseason, like J.E. Skeets and I talked about. Just this, You can't really predict what's going to happen next in these playoffs. That series now 2-2. We'll see what the availability of Trey Young is going forward in this series. He had that bone bruise on his foot uh, after getting injured in Game 3, but the Hawks didn't need him in Game 4. A masterful game plan, got great defense, and now that series is all tied 2-2, going back to Milwaukee for Game 5 on Thursday. I alluded to this at the get-go. Let's make this a long, deep cooler. A lot of stuff in that cooler, a lot of ice. Fish around in there to get all you want because Josh Donaldson versus Lucas Giolito. It feels like Josh Donaldson versus the whole league is going on right now, especially since he started to get in himself right in the middle of the sticky substance controversy. He hits a home run 
uh, in the first inning of the Twins game at Chicago, gives the Twins an early lead. Um, appears, like he says, something like not sticky anymore as he crosses home plate, goes to the Twins' dugout. File that away for later. Lucas Giolito, who gave up the home run, was not happy about that later. He settled down, ended up having a pretty good outing, I think six innings, three runs. Kenta Maeda for the Twins did not have a good outing. In fact, had a very poor outing. Another in a string of disappointing starts for the Twins. You know, at the beginning of the season, it sure looked like the, it sure looked like the bullpen was going to be the most disappointing facet of this year's team. And maybe at the end of the day, that, that ends up being the thing that really derailed the season. But my goodness, the starting pitching has been atrocious. 25th in the majors in ERA now. That number for starters hovering near 5. And I get it. They've had some injuries lately, but that was not the problem at the start of the year. The problem at the start of the year was just ineffectiveness and a lot of guys not pitching as well as they could, not as well as they thought they would at the start of the year. And Kenta Maeda is at the top of that list. He have seven runs, all seven runs in that 7-6 loss. If he gives them a good start, they might win that game and might get them propelled in a different direction. Instead, it's a 7-6 loss at a time where the Twins can't afford any losses to Chicago. Now, that was only the plot. The subplot was much more interesting because after the game, Lucas Giolito had some things to say about uh, about Josh Donaldson. I'm not going to play them because this is a polite family podcast. We don't swear on this podcast. Sometimes I wish we could. It'd be kind of fun. But uh, Lucas Giolito's comments after the game uh, basically said uh, he called Donaldson a pest, um, kind of the classless move, and said... Um, Giolito saying, don't go across home plate and do all that. Just come to me. Adding later, we won the W's next to my name there in last place. Wow. Shots fired. But you know what? You probably had it coming with when you cross home plate and say that, and uh, you end up losing and you're not having a great season. So Josh Donaldson not available after the game. Uh, maybe we'll hear from him on Wednesday. So the latest chapter of that still to unfold. And, you know, maybe... You know, I don't know what Lucas Giolito, uh, <laughs> you know, where he falls in the sticky substance spectrum. Josh Donaldson clearly has his theories on all that. But, uh, yeah, this series is only heating up. And, yeah, this would even be a lot more fun if these two teams were battling for first place and not uh, at opposite ends of the AL Central standings. That'll do it for me today. Good show coming up on Thursday. I think I'll have Jerry Zagoda talking Minnesota United. And I'll have Lavelle E. Neal third on Friday's show. He's been in Chicago covering this Twins-White Sox series. I'll get his perspectives after that whole thing is done. Thanks for joining me here today. We'll catch you again on Thursday.